Was that I the intro? Want... Or are no, like... <laughs> no, I was just about to start, and then you asked if that was the. In- this is now the intro. Okay. This is now the in- a rare case of Gav speaking over me. <laughs> Maybe the first in recorded history. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Podquisition. I'm Jim Sterling. I'm, jo- I'm being super professional. To do- not now that I've stopped myself to talk about how professional I am. We kind of have to start on Olay now. Yeah, yeah. I, I yelled Olay after we clapped because I don't know why. Uh, it just felt good to say. Um, I'm Jim Sterling, by the way. I'm here with Laura. Hello, Laura. Laura Kate Dale, writer. I'm I'm here. I'm doing my thing. I I know a date now for when my first book's coming out. That's 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 a scary thing that happened this week. Ooh, yeah. We can't say it yet, can we? Oh no, we can now. As oh. we couldn't before, but now we can. Uh, my first book, I got a memoir coming out uh, called Uncomfortable Labels that's releasing on July 18th, 2019. Uh, recommended retail price $12.99. You can't pre-order it yet, but it'll be up in like bookshops and Amazon and things at some point. I'll let people know. Kaboom. Bloody brilliant. Very exciting. Very nice. Bloody t- bloody terrifying. Oh, I'm sure. I read back over it the other day. I was like, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are also joined by Gavin, musician, singer-songwriter, kind of a pop star. How are you? I'm good. I've got uh, Mr. Brightside stuck in my head. And do you know why I've got Mr. Brightside stuck in my head? Why is that? Basically, I've been working on this one song for the last two weeks. And as I'm sure you're aware, my songs by design are quite catchy. And you know when you get a song stuck in your head? Now, imagine you've been listening to that song for upwards of like 100 hours. Yeah. So I was like... What is a song I can listen to before the podcast to just get it out of my fuck? Get this tune out of my fucking head. It's like Mr. Brightside. There we go. I'm coming out of my cage. I'm still a rat in a cage. I like Nicholas Cage and Mr. Brightside. That's how that song goes exactly. That's actually a better version. I know. I know. I call it Mr. Brightside 2. That is my song that I've written. I've got all the rights to it. And if the killers want it, are they still a thing? I think they are, actually, yeah. I have no idea, honestly. Um, I've been out of coming out of my cage, and cages are meant to keep things in, so I should probably make sure no one sees that I've come out of my cage. Otherwise, I'll throw you right back into jail. Yeah. And we don't want that, because then who could do the podcast? Exactly. Where do we want to start on the podcast this week? Well, I was going to say that I sympathise with Gavin, because I have had a song stuck in my head. Because I uh, did a review for um, Spider-Man. Oh, dear. And used the 90s Spider-Man theme in it. Yeah. Uh, and so I've just got that just constantly for <laughs> days. Just radioactive spider blood constantly. Down, now, 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 now. It's in the game? No, no. I added it into my review because I found a bit where Aunt May was chopping a carrot but the knife was just going through the carrot and the carrot wasn't being chopped, which is... <gasps> oh, my God. Oh my God. Downgrade. Graphical downgrades, Down. was, was there a puddle under her? Actually, don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> it depends where she put the carrot. We're clearly not doing phrasing today. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously a little, a little detail that you don't expect them to animate, but I, I couldn't help laughing at it, so I did a whole montage of zooming in on it and threw up a, a hashtag carrot gate. 
so that was that was my contribution to the puddle game. Actually, my favourite contribution was when I tweeted a picture of Mysterio with just fools. You only thought you saw a puddle. Uh, that one got retweeted at least twenty times. So I am a social media viral hit. When I saw those pictures, the first thought that came into my mind was, how dare they? make a weather system in which it's more rainy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> How dare they make a system in a game in which after it rains, there's big puddles, and when it's not raining, there's no puddle. Yeah. I'll say this, though, the whole Puddlegate thing. It was very overblown in the media. Wasn't it, like, two people? Yeah. When it started, it was one person on Twitter asked Insomniac why they uh, changed the puddles, why the puddle wasn't there. And then Insomniac explained, oh, there's lots of places with lots of puddles, which was funny. <laughs> and then one other person was like, you know, oh, how could you excuse this downgrade? And that was more or less it. And then it got blown up. On yeah, A lot of people on Twitter had a laugh with it. And then places were reporting it like it was a huge like groundswell. And then it became a sort of half-hearted, quasi, not a groundswell, just a bit of a swell. Uh, because then I started seeing some more people just buying into it that it was downgraded. Uh, to the point where, you know, we saw Digital Foundry... Um, they posted some comparison, uh, debunking the idea, I believe, that it was um, yeah. downgraded. I didn't really check into it that much because I don't care. <laughs> um, I've called out downgrades before, but this this game looks gorgeous and it didn't look downgraded. I was just going to say, it's a really nice looking video game. And even if it had been downgraded, if it missing a puddle in that one scene is the thing that goes, right, not a fun video game anymore... I feel really sorry for you. Yeah, like, you know, I look at something like Watch Dogs, the original, and there you can see a pretty clear-cut difference that they were running that on a system. Like, I think they were running it on PC claiming it was PS4 or something like that. Um, and it, you know, wasn't... They were lying about it, basically. Uh, in that regard, Ubisoft quite blatantly bullshitted. And I've called that stuff out before, but this game looks fucking amazing. Spider-Man and utterly spectacular Spider-Man so I don't really see the issue here to me it looks like what it looked like when they showed it at E3 but developers if you're going to downgrade the rain um, I'd suggest doing it in Breath of the Wild and not a, and not any other game. Yeah, let's let's have far less far less water in Breath of the Wild, please. <laughs> yeah, I've 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 only just started on this video game. I've not put nearly enough time in, but that's a really good video game, isn't it, Jim? It's very good. It's very good. It's yeah, very good. Um, my one major complaint I've had was. That if anything was misleading about Spider-Man running up to it, it was that footage they showed at E3, because that comes so late in the game, and the characters involved in that trailer have such little impact on the story. That trailer where it made it look like the first five minutes of the game are like, every Spider-Man villain is here right from the beginning! Yeah, yeah, I spent most of the game thinking, when do I get to the raft? And you don't get to the raft until the last act. And then the characters introduced go away pretty quick. That's um, strange and almost spoilery to show all the last act bosses in a, in a trailer. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, someone said I was spoiling the game by mentioning that, you know, a certain favourite Super, Mar Super Marvel super villain of mine wasn't in it. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that a character isn't in a game. Yeah. Uh, I'd have rather have known up front 
that he wasn't in the game. Uh, so I stand by saying that fucking Quentin Beck isn't in it, for God's sake. Um, I'd have rather have known that because I think I'm the only person who had coverage out there yesterday that said, look, don't go in it expecting Spider-Man Arkham because you're not getting it. I'm glad that I know that because I'm early enough in the game that you have probably saved me from having that incorrect expectation. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want to say that we're outright, outright misleading, but that trailer gives you the wrong impression of the kind of game you're getting. Um, it truly is a game predominantly about Mr. Negative, which is fine. I like Mr. Negative as a villain. I personally don't know if he's a compelling enough character to lead an entire game. Um, you know, he's a good first or middle act, but he's almost everything. I have to admit, I had never heard of this character before the game. I don't think many have unless they've sort of been reading any of the comics he's he's a fairly latecomer i don't think he was he in any of the movies i don't remember him from any of the movies no no he's not been in any of the like last couple of versions of the movies yeah i i i, I can't remember exactly when he was introduced either the 2000s or early 2010s so he's a fairly recent one compared to you know the ones everybody knows who have been around since like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I wonder was there some kind of stipulation from Marvel as like you have? I was wondering. You you we we want certain villains exclusive to the movies. So fuck you. You you're doing Mister Negative in your game. Either that or like either someone on the writing team loves Mister Negative or like maybe the MCU are planning to have him in at some point. So they're like put him in so people know who he is um because he is an interesting character this sort of dual personality kind of guy and he's sort of this uh basically this uh, philanthropist takes care of the homeless and genuinely means it but then he switches to this mr negative persona it's an interesting uh character he sounds a bit like harvey dent he's got in the comics at least he there is some very interesting visual stuff about how they display him as well sometimes like he's an interesting looking villain in the comics yeah because he's like when he's in that persona he's a completely different character and he's like this photo negative kind of guy how does he look in i have to say in the trailers he looked a bit weird in game to me well his whole thing is he looks like a photo negative yeah hence the name so that's why he looks weird but, you know, when he when he's out of that persona, he, he looks like a regular guy, just Martin Lee. He he looks uncanny and like he shouldn't fit in scenes he's in, which makes sense because he's a photo negative. They don't look right. They look weird and uncanny. Yeah, that's kind of the point of him. You're taking a risk there in a video game, aren't you? Because that can... We're you when when we play games, we're used to seeing stuff that looks wrong and going, oh, the game's wrong. In game, it looks fine. In in game it works, I think, especially in the in the scenes in which you see him as Mister Negative. Um, there are environmental details that make it fit a bit more. Uh, so I I never had an issue where I thought he looked wrong. But then again, I'm I'm somewhat familiar with Mister Negative, so yeah, I I guess I was expecting him to look the way he looked. So I don't know how someone unfamiliar, you know, they might have your impression, Gav. When I saw him in the trailer, it looked like um, there were missing textures. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a character with missing textures. Yeah, I mean, again, that's that's by design. He's not. He's supposed to look, you know, those those displaced colors and and everything. It's and very silhouetted. Uh, is sort of the idea of him. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I I just feel like it was a bit odd some of the choices they made and some of the uh, comic references they brought up. Like there are only a handful of. 
and I mean a handful of villains introduced outside of what was shown in the trailer. And when I say a handful, I'm talking like a couple. And at least one of them is so obscure, so... And, and a fairly recent one as well, that I think someone was just showing off. They were just like, we know this character. Um, and I, I'm I'm not a big comic reader, but I like... Uh, I love supervillains, and I get a lot of comics based on certain characters. Um, and this one... I had to Google and remind myself that, oh yes, I did see them as a side part of one story, which is mostly how this character is in the comics, as sort of a bit of a bigger story with a lot more other interesting villains. So they had some odd choices, and they didn't pick particularly interesting ones. Um, you know, I won't detail who they are, but... I don't know. It just seems very strange, the ones they chose. Like, they were deliberately going for deep cuts, but not even satisfying deep cuts. So, mm, I don't know. I don't know why they chose what they chose. I would have thought they would have put something, someone like Mysterio in it because of the upcoming movie. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe Gav, your, your idea is correct in that they didn't want people to see too much Mysterio stuff before the next film. I don't know. Yeah. But... Outside of that, and outside of the fact that it's full of open-world busy work, just very Ubisoft to the point where this game has radio towers, um, <laughs> like that old chestnut, outside of those, it is a very satisfying game. Great web-swingy stuff. The combat is impeccable, I feel. The the open-world traversal feels just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it's just really joyous to swing around that city. Yeah, yeah, and as you unlock upgrades and stuff, you get even more ways to do that. Um, mm. Learning to do a super jump like in Crackdown, or oh. getting little thwips between swings to just boost along without losing any height. Um, and you can end up doing little tricks in the air, like little flips and moonsaults and things, and that's great fun. Um, so yeah, yeah, they... The upgrades come at really nice clip as well. You never... Like, I'm actually talking about um, 2K games on the next Inquisition on Monday, and they're bullshit. And just pointing out, like, the difference between a game with microtransactions and a game without. And you can tell this game wasn't designed for microtransactions because you actually upgrade without feeling like you're grinding. It's like, oh, I'm unlocking things naturally as I play. I remember when games used to do this. Uh, so that feels great. And, yeah, that combat, like, I... It's amazing the amount they've done with the buttons they've got. Um, someone felt like this didn't sound good, but I, I pointed out in the video that I did that using context and holding versus tapping with just two buttons, you can whip to someone on a web, smack them about, punch them in the air, jump up, keep punching them... Um, then smash them to the ground and then swing on a web and kick someone else in the face. And that's just with two buttons. And it's not in a way that feels quote-unquote dumbed down because all the other buttons do other shit as well. And it's all about knowing where you are, whether you're in the air, whether you're down, whether you're holding or pressing. Uh, and then using the other buttons to dodge or, or grab something in the environment with webs and swing it around and throw it at someone. And what gets me is that it's all responsive, and it never gets confused. Outside of a few instances where Spider-Man might target someone you weren't wanting to target, uh, the auto-targeting in general knows exactly what it's doing. That got really frustrating towards the end of Arkham Knight, 
when they would throw in all those different enemy types at you and you're trying to swing your cape at the guys with the shield and he's attacking the mook and you're like yeah does that that never happens in spider-man not really there have been like once or twice where i've wanted to do something and he's he didn't target the right guy only a scant few times and even then it wasn't too bad because even if he's you end up attacking someone else it doesn't matter because you're wailing on that dude instead and it's fine yeah uh, and then you can easily like just quickly dodge away and, and throw up to the right person and the game is pretty good at intuiting what it is you want to do um and where this is most felt is with that swing kick which is one of my favorite things to do where if you're in the air if you hold down the attack button he'll just uh throw a a web in the air and swing on it to kick someone in the head and only a few times throughout the course of the game did that miss Mm -hmm. for the most part he will find an enemy for you and do it and it again it doesn't feel overly simplified or dumbed down because there's so much else to do it just feels convenient it's just that's what i wanted to do thank you for knowing where i wanted to hit the person um and, and the speed with which you can do this and the web sense and the dodging is so much more responsive and it doesn't feel as overly... Like, for me, the Arkham combat system felt a little bit simplified because you were just... I mean, you could just press the counter button over and over again. Whereas this, there's so much to do and it feels so quick to do it. Um, and using gadgets in this game versus the Arkham games is so much quicker and and more convenient. That's the, the word I want to stress there is it's not easy, it's convenient. It doesn't make you do things you don't have to do to get the job done. If I want to press a button to do the thing, I just have to press the button to do the thing. Uh, and the challenge comes with having to avoid different enemy types with their own little annoying counters and stuff. Uh, and, and it just feels fucking great. It feels bloody good. One of my favorite combat systems. Wow. Um, that's what helped some of the open world busy work. Cause even though you're taking over enemy base after enemy base after enemy base, at least the combat's always satisfying. That's high praise. Yeah. I mean, you know, coming from me, <laughs> I've not played enough to like uh, to know if all of that is accurate, but right now I'm like, yeah, this feels like a really good video game. I I don't doubt anything that Jim is saying right now. Yeah, and in my opinion, it only gets better. Um, like I recorded a whole bunch of footage on day one to use in the review, and scrapped it all because I then unlocked more abilities in combat that just made it feel and also look so much better um, <laughs> because there there are so many options and there are so many cool costumes to unlock as well with some really interesting references to the comics and the films hmm. uh, and they a lot of them have their own unique abilities tied to the suit but then when you unlock the suit you can take that ability and put it on anything else so you can look like one spider-man but have the powers of another and that's great because this is a game that clearly understands that sometimes you want to look a certain way but don't want it tied to an ability you might not want or need i want that to be a thing in every video game forever yeah yeah i like that that is one thing i wish every video game would take on board which is please keep my cosmetics separate from my like actual stats and abilities i'm feeling that a little on dragon quest 11 i don't know if if there's a way to upgrade equipment or change it in some way but uh i started out wearing the 
costume from Dragon Quest VIII mm. because I fucking love that game and I was overjoyed when I saw it in the inventory waiting for me. I don't know if it was a pre-order bonus or anything. I, I did my thing with it where if a game um, isn't full of microtransaction bollocks, I'll pre-order it like the, the day before like a couple of hours before it unlocks, yeah. and that's my way of winning. <laughs> that's my way of of getting one over on them uh, somehow because they can't boast about it. I've not had a chance to check uh, Dragon Quest out yet. How 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 is it looking? Right. Well, um, I'll just finish the the costume point. Is I got that. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I got that Dragon Quest Eight costume, but then. Within the hour, it was already outclassed by more practical gear that didn't change the look of the character at all. Because only a f- only certain item sets change the character's appearance. Hmm. Uh, and I hate the character's default appearance. I don't know what it is. He looks like a douche. <laughs> There's just something smarmy about it. I don't know if it's the hair... But there's something about him. He does look better when the hair's covered. Uh, just looks like a tit. Uh, don't like the way he looks. Um, but, you know, that's just me. I, if I had my way, they'd all look like the one from Dragon Quest VIII. Um, but, yeah, Dragon Quest XI's pretty good so far. I'm, I'm happy to report that within two hours and 55 minutes, I got my way to the game's title. <laughs> I got to the title <laughs> sequence within three hours. I mean, bloody hell, I, I like a JRPG quite a bit, especially more traditional ones that don't get too worried about being too old-fashioned. But my God, there's a long-winded, and then there's a JRPG. <laughs> <laughs> it does look good. It, it, it's gorgeous looking, um, sort of. It took me a while. As I say sort of, it does look gorgeous. It took me a little while to get used to the character models. Um, mm. I, I think it's pretty similar to the Dragon Quest uh, Heroes games, the, the Dynasty Warriors knockoffs, where yeah. it's not cartoony and cell shady like something like Dragon Quest Eight was. So the character models are more, I don't want to say realistic, but more fleshy. And yet they've got those cartoon Dragon Ball eyes, and it makes them look very off putting somewhat unsettling yeah i'm i'm looking at some pictures of it now and it's it kind of looks like that it, it's a mannequin dressed in an anime character's clothes mm. and wig like yes it it looks like when you're looking online for anime costumes and it's like aha here is a very human looking mannequin that we stuck this anime wig and clothes on yep pretty much um you do get used to it like i've gotten used to it now but when I first saw it, I was like, Ugh! Ugh! It was a little bit startling. It's a very, like, you look at that and it's like, oh yeah, that is a Dragon Quest. Even even if not all of them look like this, there's no mistaking that for a Dragon Quest art style. Plus, the, the that graphical style they use does make the monsters look good. Um, once I started seeing the old hammer hoods and uh, the slimes and whatnot, I was like, oh yeah, these look great. These look really good, uh, so that's good. I'm I'm looking at some images now, and there's a there's an image of a uh, sort of slime with a green and purple crown on, and I'm like, oh yeah, that looks pretty fantastic. I I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Once you're out there hitting cruel compers in the head, and toadies, and all the other puns that they use for their monsters, uh, it's great. Uh, the combat system is Dragon Quest. You know, it's this is not reinventing anything, and I'm fine with that. Because I've had enough of like JRPGs trying to reinvent themselves, uh, especially some you know in a post Octopath Traveler world, I'm like 
just, you know, add little features if you want, but you don't have to throw everything out like Final Fantasy kept trying to do. Yeah. Uh, that game seems so self-conscious. Looking back, the Final Fantasy series just got more and more self-conscious about being a Final Fantasy game. Do we want to do a, a real ta- a, a, a time-based battle system where there's counters? Do we want to go to turn-based? What do we want to do? Are we, are we a real-time <laughs> combat system? We don't know. I mean, you know, I love Final Fantasy XV. I thought that was really great and a good sort of, as I say, return to form. But bits of its combat system still felt confused about what it wanted to be. It's an odd combat system. Oh, very quickly there is a bit of Final Fantasy XV news it looks like this week. So, um, Oh, yeah. The day before we recorded this, so Tuesday of this week, um, if you were in the UK and you went onto the PS4 PSN store and looked at new games, for a couple of hours there was Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition HD was on the store and you couldn't click on the link it didn't go anywhere and then it went away and then we got the news that there is a nintendo direct coming the day that this podcast goes up uh, uh, probably a few hours after the podcast goes up if i were a betting woman i would put money on the fact that last year we were hearing like oh yeah final fantasy 15 in some form will come to the switch it's gonna be the mobile game in hd and it's gonna come to the it's gonna be like it's out right now on Switch. Like, I, I would put money that the day you hear this podcast, Final Fantasy 15 dot dot dot, that mobile phone game is probably going to be on the Switch. I really would not be surprised. It sounds like the most logical. I mean, I couldn't begin to imagine the original Final Fantasy 15 on the Switch. Yeah. People think Wolfenstein 2's blurry. Like, that, that's the thing, is, like, if that icon's popped up on the PS4 already, it's like, okay, it's ready to release on PS4. Why would they bring it to PS4 if they've already got the full game? Well, maybe they just did a, an HD remaster of it for the Switch that's about to come out, and they thought, well, we might as well throw it up there, I guess. Yeah, fuck it. Let's see if we can make a few more doubloons. That's what it feels like to me, so, like... That's that's probably going to be a thing on the Switch. Uh, I I might check it out if it comes out, because honestly, I'm mildly curious about, like, I could replay that story and not have it take forever. That'd be nice. Yeah. I'd be up for that. Oh, I should point out, just because Sony's super fucking strict with its FTC stuff, that uh, they gave me a review copy of Spidered Man. Oh, the, the Spidered Man. Yeah, FTC, FTC, everyone. They're so strict. Collusion. Like, I appreciate that they are strict because that's a sign of a good publisher not wanting to, like, pull the wool over anybody's eyes and trying to stick to disclosures and things, um, which is a good cut above some of these publishers that, you know, it's not going to hurt us if people think this is completely independent. Um, yeah. So that's good. And, you know, I always like to disclose it, but sometimes I forget. And they are so strict that even though I disclosed it in the video at the very beginning, they were still a little bit miffed that I didn't have a text overlay also saying it. Oh. Um, so they're very zealous about that, but I should have pointed that out anyway. Although it's fairly obvious if I'm already re- reviewing it. That's a kind of reassuring thing to hear. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Like, I always roll my eyes at the, sh- the huge, like, disclaimer... Uh, attachments that they send with review codes, but I do recognise it is certainly better than other publishers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, did you have any other thoughts on that that Dragon Quest? Uh, even though I'm about, th- like, over three hours into it now, I 
it's you know it being a JRPG, it still feels a little early to talk in great detail about it. But uh, you know, it just seems like more Dragon Quest, and I think Dragon Quest Eleven, like people who are playing it now, won't be disappointed if they just go in expecting more Dragon Quest. Um, you know, it's got the old familiar music by that uh, war crime denier and a graphical style everyone recognises, uh, charming writing with lots of Britishisms because they always go for a British uh, localization. So it's all about walloping enemies uh, and people speaking like that, uh, like they belong in hot fuzz. Oh, are we going to take him to Wallop City? Yeah, so that's all good. Uh, and, and it just feels nice. It feels nice to be playing that game again. Because um, I liked, I love Dragon Quest Eight. And then, even though I played uh, the DS re-releases, or the 3DS, I forget. I think it was the DS re-releases. Um, 9 and 10, I never got around to. So this feels really nostalgic for me. And simply wandering around the map, hitting enemies, and then getting into fights, um, it just feels like, like a little bit of a homecoming and that's fun so yeah i'm finding it very pleasant yeah. that's a good way to describe it it's pleasant i i found the game pretty pleasant this week oh i finally got around to playing that donut county what you recommended last week ah yes what did you think well uh last week you were like oh yeah laura i think you might you know this might be your jam it was very much my jam. Ah, I know my Laura. Yeah, you know my taste in games. So we talked a little bit about it last week. It's a game. You move around a hole, make things fall in the hole, read funny descriptions from a raccoon about what fell in the hole. It's just a really... It... How do I describe this game? It just was the right emotional tone for me that I didn't want to put it down. I was consistently very happy that I was playing it. Uh, its length was perfect for what I was looking for. I was really glad I could just sort of do it in one sitting and feel like I'd experienced it all and walk away. That's a funny little video game, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is a shamelessly dorky video game. That's what I like most about it, is it is, uh, as they say, adorkable. Um, and, and a lot of it is stupid, yeah. but in a really lovely way. And it's got, you know, some fun little themes under the surface if you want to explore those as well. Yeah, and the the one thing that's a little bit of a shame, I get why there's not, but I kind of, like, would would have liked more of that gameplay because there's a little bit of me that was thinking, you know, this is scratching that Katamari itch. It would be nice to have more of this itch scratched because it's so rare we get a game that yeah. scratches this itch, itch and feels good. Like, the, the last game I can think of that felt mechanically similar to this that wasn't a Katamari was The Wonderful End of the World, which was not a good game. Uh. It's been a while since there's been one of these make the thing bigger by interacting with the parts of the environment games that has been good. It's It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. And it's been a while since I played a good game that hinges on that sort of absurd eccentricity. Yeah. Uh, you know... It, it made me think, even though this is mechanically very different, it made me think of the frustrations I had with Nobi Nobi Boy, where mm. it felt like everything in that world was having more fun than me. I'm like, I see these cavorting devils. I see these little zebras running around. They're all having a great time, and I'm just watching them mostly. Um, it just didn't have this sense of me being in the world so much as being a guest of it while it 
had a, had way more fun with itself. Um, whereas something like Donut County, you are actively part of it, the catalyst of all of the hijinks. Mm. So you don't feel that frustration I felt with something like Nobi Nobi. You have some agency over the silliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I, I played a fair amount of this week was uh, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, which just came to the Switch. Oh, yeah. I tried the demo of that and realised it was more Monster Hunter and I will never get into those games no matter how hard I want to. So there's a few things that, like, I, I'm glad that this exists. It Monster Hunter, Hunter Generations Ultimate, for anyone who's unaware, is an upscaled port of a 3DS game. Uh, it was the last 3DS Monster Hunter, which has basically just been made to look a bit prettier and put on the Switch. Visually, and in terms of some of its technical stuff that I'll get into, it's clear it was a 3DS game that came to the Switch. And I'm I'm glad it did, because a second proper analogue stick is a really fucking big help in a game like Monster Hunter. Um, I think the biggest issue for me is there were changes made to that series in Monster Hunter World that it's really hard to go back from when playing like an older game that's up Right. And there's there's one there's one thing in particular I'm going to talk about which is like I forgot how much I hate this one thing in Monster Hunter because it went away and now I have to deal with it again. So, in Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, all of your little areas that you interact with the the big creatures you're trying to fight are separate separate arena sort of zones with paths between them that have loading times as you go down the path and have to load into the new area. Yeah. It's not a huge problem in and of itself. The loading times are not obscene. It, it, it's not ideal, but okay, it's fine. I Yeah, that's been a big part of the series, I mean, basically since it started, right? But yeah, it has. But I forgot how annoying one particular problem is. If you are chasing a monster and it goes through one of these loading zones to a new area, and you go through that loading zone too and you load into the new area, occasionally the monster will just stand right on the boundary of where, like, if your character steps too close, you will go through this, like, this loading area and then have to go back to where you came from. Uh... Occasionally, like, I'm, I, I can't say this for certain, but it feels like monsters can go further down these paths without triggering them leaving the zone than the player can. And occasionally you'll be like, ah, I'm here with my big swords, swinging at the monster, cutting it down, trying to, you know, stay in nice and close so that it can't hit me. Oops, I got too close and I walked to the next area over. I have to wait for a loading screen to happen, load into the new area, turn around and run back to the loading area, load again, back to where the monster is. So that's the thing. The loading screens aren't a problem until you accidentally trigger one and have to sit through it, turn around, sit through it again, then get back to the action. Uh, Monsanto tries my patience at the best of times and all. Yeah, so that is a frustration of that series that I forgot was as annoying as it was for the segmented areas entries. Yeah. Uh, I basically just had to remind myself I can't hug them if they're near the loading boundary. Just give them some space until they get away from there and then continue fighting. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I, I, I've i always preferred the ability to play a Monster Hunter on a portable in that 
it, it's one of those series that I want to be able to just jump in, try the hunt once, if I fail, pop it away. I don't want to have to necessarily boot up a console, take over the telly for that. But I've really been struggling with, I like the convenience of this handheld version, but it's missing many of the modern conveniences of the PS4 game that came out. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, 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 both, both of the, the problem is now when I play both of them, I wish I was getting the benefits of playing the other. Like, there are things about the other version for both where I'm like, eh, I kind of wish I had that, though. Right. Which is a shame for that series. Like, I want to see a no-loading-boundaries area, like, area-boundaries. I, I want to see that kind of Monster Hunter on Switch. I would love to see a Monster Hunter World-type thing on Switch. I don't know if that's possible, but... At the moment, I'm feeling torn, and I don't know which of them to continue putting my time into. That's fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. That is frustrating. So I can't name one off the top of my head, but I know I've been in similar situations where I've got two games in a series and wish they carried over some things and replaced others and stuff like that. Uh, that similar thing where each has its own separate, distinct benefits and drawbacks, and you just wish that one could come out with all of the benefits. Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. Um, Help Fallout Four in that regard as well, actually. Yeah, 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 exactly. Fallout Four's combat with New Vegas's storytelling. My dream game. Yeah, yeah, and some of the world design as well. Yeah, exactly. A Bethesda world with an Obsidian story. Mm. Uh, I played a couple of other like small things like today because I've been running around London playing a bunch of shit. Uh, I got to go to Capcom's offices and uh, check out that Mega Man 11, which I'm not going to lie, I was dubious about because last time I played a Mega Man looking game, but it was 3D models, it was Mighty Number no. 9 and that didn't turn out great. So mm -hmm. I saw that Mega Man 11 was like, oh no, it's a 2D side scrolling Mega Man, but with 3D models, this isn't going to feel great. Actually felt really good. I mean, 20XX kind of demonstrated you can do it. 20XX was everything Mighty Number no. 9 wasn't. This this felt like a proper side-scrolling classic 2D Mega Man. It was very tough. It was very, like, tight controls. Uh, they've got an interesting mechanic that, like, I, I haven't had enough time with to know how I feel about it entirely, but they have this gears mechanic where... You know how normally when you beat a robot master, you get their ability and you have a certain amount of ammo for that ability and then it's like, you can't use it at all? Yeah. These gears are things that you have from the start of the game and they're on a recharge timer instead. So it's you can use them for X amount of time, but if you use them too much, you will have to wait for them to recharge. Sure. Uh, one of them is increases the power of your shots, but decreases your speed. And one of them slows down the world around you, so you're effectively moving very fast, but lowers your shot power. Hmm. And, like, it was interesting going through, like, going through platforming sections where it's like, I have to very quickly make a series of jumps. I was able to give myself some breathing room because I didn't need to be shooting so much. Uh, I could... The extra power ability does extend to your robot master powers, so, like... If you activate that and then also use a Robot Master's ability and their weapon, their weapon is more powerful. And that felt really cool the first time I recognised, like, oh shit, that ro the, the, the Robot Master power 
it's more powerful than even when the boss used it against me. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty nice feeling Mega Man game. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Mega Man's never been my jam, but I understand that a lot of people love it. Yeah. It was a very pleasant surprise after after Mighty Number no. 9. It was nice to go back to like mm. something that felt like an official Mega Man type thing feeling good again. Uh, I got to see a bit of Resident Evil 2 remaster. Ooh. Uh, that game looks fucking gorgeous in person. Yeah. It looks so gorgeous. It looks so gorgeous. Um, the mocap stuff they're doing with the new, like, all of the redone cutscenes have really impressive, uh, facial animations for emotions and the voice acting, like the lip syncing and the facial performances are really strong. I've started to really appreciate facial animation lately. Spider-Man similar. Um, yeah. Mary Jane especially, uh, in her scenes, very expressive. Yeah, it was it was just really small stuff, like watching a character uh, growl like a word through gritted teeth. Or watching someone just, like, shout fucker at someone and, like, you could see the proper anchor on their face. It was it was very well put together. That's good. They, they've been making real strides with that in the industry. I'll give it that. Yeah. It is it is a very, very gorgeous-looking, terrifying, gross video game. So I've got a bit of excitement for that. They've been taking nice steps with that series as well. Because both the Resi 1 remake and... Residents Devil were, were were proper, yeah. You know, hot survival horror games. Yeah, they've been doing a really good job of modernizing those old games and making them feel playable in like today's gaming landscape, as opposed to turning them into Gears of War like they tried to do last gen. It's it's like some publishers, not all of them, but some of them are working out that maybe the thing that made a series popular is what people want from the series yeah yeah and they don't want it to be the other series yeah yeah i was bringing up square annex's shock that bravely default sold really well uh even though that style of gameplay is what put square annex on the fucking map i one one thing that like really did stand out from this demo and i i can't be too specific about it at the second but there are characters from the original Resident Evil 2 who didn't get much screen time who got really nicely, interestingly fleshed out in some cutscenes as well. Like, they don't seem to be trying to make this a letter-by-letter letter remake. They are putting some effort into changing things where they have room to add new stuff. Yeah. And it's it's interesting what they're doing with that. They did a great job of that with the original Resident Evil remake. Yeah. Um, they added in sequences and additional lore details that didn't retcon or subtract in any, like, garish way. It just enhanced the world. They just give a little extra texture and flavour to moments that you kind of know inside out. Yeah. It's... I, I think the thing that was really nice about this, and it reminded me a lot in some ways of like the 3DS remake of Ocarina of Time, in that it brings these games back into feeling how you remember them feeling. Like, because sometimes if you just try and straight remake, it'll just remind you, oh yeah, these games have aged a bit, but yeah. this this seems like it's really captured the tone of that game 
without being like, yeah, but the original had tank controls. We've got to make it tank controls still, and we got it. We got to keep it exactly how it was. Yeah, it's that shovel knight philosophy of capture the way a game felt. Don't you don't have to capture the shitty controls or <laughs> any of the other drawbacks and limitations we had back then. Yeah. Just get the feel right, and then you know use that in conjunction with more modern sensibilities. And it's hard to go too wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah Black Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last thing that like I got to check out today was that I went to uh, the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Ooh. Ooh. Very fancy museum. Uh, they are doing a video game exhibit starting on the Saturday after this episode goes up. And I went along for a uh, press preview of that and a lot of it was just like here's some some really like cool behind the scenes stuff about games that you already know that was pretty interesting one game i had not played that had like a little arcade cabinet in there that i thought was fascinating was this really small game called queers in love at the end of the world and it's an arcade cabinet for basically a, a very fast-paced wine game and you are set as a pair of, of queer people who have basically just seen a like the mushroom cloud go off and it's like, we have seconds before we are dead. There is a 10 second countdown going on. Try and make your way through a romantic text adventure with 10 seconds to decide how your romance is going to end before you die. <laughs> and it was really fun to just very quickly try and fumble through. I don't have time to stop and think about the ramifications of this, follow my gut and do a romance. That's a fun conceit. Yeah, if 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 anyone goes along to that exhibit and gets a chance, like I would really recommend trying out that particular game. Uh it it was a really fun little experimental thing that was there. So Yeah, that was that was video games what I played this week. Good, good. Now, Gab, you didn't play anything this week. Sadly not. I did not have time to play anything. I got the expansion for Destiny, so I'm going to play a little bit of that later. All right. Did you do anything fun with your week while you weren't gaming? Yeah, do you, anything you want to chat about? I was just working, I'm afraid. Very, very boring. Just non-stop work. Work, 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 work. Oh. But taking, taking a nice four or five days off now to play Spider-Man and some Destiny. and You'll enjoy that Spider-Man. We'll be far less redundant next week. That's fair. Oh, and, and, and learnt, learnt a bit of banjo and released a Fallout song and got lots of attention from Bethesda, which which was nice. Bethesda seemed very into that. The last time I got attention from Bethesda, it wasn't good. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I hope they don't know that I'm friends with Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be good. I used to be on really good friendly terms with Bethesda as well, but then I criticised them. Oh, no. As I always say, I'm very glad my job does not involve criticising. <laughs> Oh. Oh, oh. No, go on, Gab. You had a thing. What were you going to say? No, it just that other news, but uh, we can talk about that at the end. Uh, I can't remember. What was the other bit of news we had? Uh, the the Witcher news. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this was a bit of news I put on because I was like, Gab, I think might have thoughts and feelings on this. Yeah, yeah I want to hear these. What are your thoughts on Henry Cavill? Is it Cavill or Cavill? Or... Uh, Cavill, I think. Cavill? Uh, that, that one will play Superman and grew a moustache out of spite and it had to be CGI'd off of his face. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think of the Man of Steel portraying the Man of Steel swords and also silver ones when you've got to kill drowners? Uh, I'm having a very hard time seeing it working. It could work. I've been wrong about stuff like this before. I was hoping for 
one of your Vigo Mortensons or your your Mads Mikkelsons or yeah, Vigo Mortenstein would have made a fucking great fucking uh, Witcher. It would have been a brilliant Geralt. Yeah. The the thing that seems to have led to how this happened is Henry Cavill's been really vocal for a while that he's really into The Witcher. Yeah. And like specifically, he's very into The Witcher video games. Uh, the Netflix show, I don't believe, is based on the games. I believe it's based on the books instead. But, like, he's he's big old, traditionally handsome, slightly square-faced, handsome man. Mm. Which is like, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's not... not you know, inconceivable to make that be be Geralt. I did see someone Photoshop the beards and hair on him, and it looked all right. Yeah, I've seen some decent makeups. I I don't know. I thought he just looked like Jared Leto in Blade Runner. <laughs> I don't know. It Geralt's kind of meant to be wiry, and you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to hear hear him Geralt go. Do you bleed? I want to hear him say, "Where, bub?" <laughs> the the thing for me is like I'm always excited when. If we get an adaptation of something like this and a big name is attached to it, I would always rather it be a big name who is has been very vocal ahead of being cast about like, hey, I really love that character and I like I'm I'm very into them. If they can put whoever they want as Geralt as long as they make Ava Green Yennefer. <laughs> it the fact that he's into the Witcher gives me some confidence that, like, he might understand the character enough to not let this be a terrible train wreck. Yeah. yeah, it makes me think of someone like, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. It's like, if the actor's got an actual passion for the character to begin with, they're probably going to give a much more, mm. unless they're a bad actor, they're probably going to give a, a better performance than an actor who knows nothing about the character. I feel like with Justice League as well, it was the writing was so terribly poor in that that it wasn't really it wasn't really his fault how bad his character turned out in that movie. I've seen Henry Cavill in other stuff, and like he is a good talented actor that was given nothing to work with in Man of Steel. By the way, holy fuck. Is that movie bad? I had I only watched Justice League a couple of weeks ago. I was not prepared for how wow, really abysmally bad that movie is. See, I've only seen one DCU movie. Yeah, which one? Uh, oh, you'll laugh when you hear it. Um, oh, I'll say it in a second. And mostly, I don't watch them because I hate I hate the stink of desperation from a company, mm. and those films reek of it. Because they saw, obviously, the success MCU had and rushed it. Because they didn't want to do the like the intricate building that the MCU had and all these movies laying a groundwork. They were like, no, we want a slice of that action now. Are we entitled to it? No. Are we getting it? Fuck yeah. Justice League right now. Let's not establish anything. Um, I, I can't bring myself... I mean, I kind of want it out of morbid curiosity. Their, their pacing has been basically every second film is an ensemble cast film. Because they did Man of Steel, then it was Batman vs Superman, then Wonder Woman, then Justice League. So it's like one film, team up, one film, team up. <laughs> one, Wonder Woman is the diamond in the rough there, by the way. That's a really good movie. That one I do want to see because I have heard very good things. Justice League, in, in the first 10 minutes, you're, I thought, the, I was like, is there something wrong with my TV? Because this the movie looks like a cheap mid-2000s science fiction tv series yeah it's, the cg is so bad and then halfway through the movie superman comes in and his fucking face my 
God. It is incredible. It's inconceivably bad. Oh yeah, because they had to. They have to shop out a mustache or something. But they. It's like they CG'd on the rest of his mouth. Uh, so every time he talks, it's like this weird. The top half of his head is normal, and the whole bottom half has this weird CG shit going on. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks so uncanny valley, and it it's it's one thing when he's angry and he looks all weird. And he's like, "Do you bleed?" At Batman, who by the way is also crap in this movie yeah and also has weird cg stuff going on in his face in a couple of scenes but then when he's doing his like happy lovey dovey scenes later the the mouth just becomes beyond parody aren't you ready for aquaman that i think is happening soon that one might be all right i did see the trailer for that one and it does look like they've spent more money on that than has ever been spent on anything i think momoa's charisma can carry that one here's the thing about that trailer you can put it side by side with the uh, black panther trailer and like the cuts are in the same place and the order of the scenes is like and here's the scene where they go through the barrier and the magical hidden city is revealed mm. and here is the bit where the two of them are fighting it's like it, it's the same trailer like that again the stink of desperation yeah. by calvin klein it, every time Marvel has a success with one type of film, they rush to do one as well. Or like when Deadpool was a success, so it's then let's rush to do something like Suicide Squad, which, mm. for example, is the one that I went and saw. It's the only DCU <laughs> film I've seen is fucking Suicide Squad because some friends went to see it at the movie theatre, so I tagged along and I... I gained nothing from having watched it. What I've heard is about that one is that Margot Robbie's great, but the rest of the movie's a disaster. Yeah. Margot Robbie is wasted on that series and that universe as Harley Quinn because she's great. Mm -hmm. The first maybe third of that film has some interesting cinematography and like visual design. And also the soundtrack of two movies put together. Yeah, it's it's a weird film. Like the the only positive I can say is there's half an hour at the beginning of that film where like the cinematography is kind of interesting. See that as well as them trying to you know bump it up to bump up the violence and everything so it could be a bit more like Deadpool was they also saw how successful Guardians of the Galaxy was with licensed music. So it's every few moments switch to another recognizable song. None of them even unique or interesting songs they're all ones you've seen used a dozen times in tv shows and movies and none of them are none of them are relevant to what's happening no yeah that's the other thing it's just it, it's that old tactic of let's marry a recognizable song to a scene in the hopes that the emotions you have listening to the song will make you think the scene was good i quite like the song that 21 pilots made for the movie though oh yeah that song in a vacuum is a good track yeah Please don't make any sudden moves. Good tune. Oh, here's the thing. All of the songs are good. They're all good songs. They're just being used to prop up scenes in the hopes that you think the scenes are also good because you liked the song because it's a stink of desperation. Ah. Fucking dreadful. Yeah. Anyway, Justice League fucking sucks balls. And I think <laughs> you should, like, do your, um, where you watch the terrible movies on it. Oh, Movie Defense Force. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about a way to do that again. Um, I have to think about that some more because then I'd actually watch some of these bad films again. How did they go from the Nolan trilogy to that? <laughs> you know? Uh, again, clawing panicked desperation. A rush to have a slice of Marvel's action. Do you know what's really funny as well is that whenever you criticise one of these movies, pr people presume it's because you like Marvel more. Yeah, yeah. Like, I haven't... I haven't 
The only Marvel movie I liked recently was that Thor Ragnarok. That was great. Oh, Thor Ragnarok was a lot of fun. Yeah, very fun movie. Post-Infinity War, it's hard to watch and enjoy now since you think, well, minutes from the end of this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I haven't seen Infinity War yet, but... um... It's it's quite it's quite good. It looks like a big big old mess, but a fun mess. <laughs> it's nowhere near as messy as as it should be. It's one of those. This is better than it has a right to be. I mean, I thought it was great. But... It is surprisingly coherent for a film where there's only about four minutes to get each character's story done. Yeah, I I enjoy it in the in the sort of way that as a child I loved just pouring out the whole toy box and making everything fight each other. Yeah. But getting to have that as a big budget thing is actually pretty cool. Well, I think where they went right with that film was they made it about Thanos. You know, it's it's mm. it's very much his story as well as much as anyone else's, and he's kind of the driving force. So so much of the film is dedicated to setting up who is he, why is he doing this. That that is kind of the anchor for the story, so the rest of it doesn't fly in too many wild directions. Um, I'll, pro- I'll probably enjoy it. I think you'd like it. It's, yeah. I'll say this, though. I don't care what the fucking DC fans and Marvel fans and all this shit. I'll say it. I prefer the Marvel films. I, pre- I just prefer Marvel. Um, you know, I like some DC stuff in general in terms of comics and that. But, uh, you know, I stick with Marvel. I like my Spider-Man. And I like, obviously, i got over half a dozen Mysterio figures mm. and statues on my <laughs> desk right now. Um, so, you know, I'm not... I got no worries saying that. I absolutely prefer Marvel, and I I think they've done an amazing job with the MCU. Um, There are some films in that series that are unnecessary, but none that I would say were particularly bad. Mm. Um, Some of the earlier ones were a bit fumbly, and something like Doctor Strange is I'd only watched that once, and I do not think that film was needed at all. But yeah. I, I don't think I've had a terrible time watching any of the them. Captain, the Captain America and the second Avengers were things that really made me feel like I'm outside the zeitgeist because I couldn't even get through the first hour of those without being like falling asleep. For me, it was the second Thor movie that was like, I found that the most forgettable thing. I didn't bother with that one at all. Uh, that and Iron Man 2, I just skipped. You didn't need to. Thor Ragnarok was fantastic, though. So, like, that's, oh, yeah. that's the only Thor one that I think you actually need to see. Yeah, I was genuinely surprised by how good Thor Ragnarok was and how interesting and colourful and fresh it felt. Yeah, they just had fun with it. They had fun with it. And, um, you know, my wife doesn't really watch a lot of these movies, but she likes Guardians of the Galaxy. And she wasn't paying much attention to Ragnarok, but as it went on, just got more and more into it to the point where when Jeff, <laughs> when Jeff Goldblum shows, shows up, <laughs> yeah, it's that wink he does, that weird, contextless, strange, is it a come on or not wink? Is it creepy or is it not? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so good. It is so good. Um, yeah, that's a great film. Really good, I think. That one, even more so than the Guardians ones, I feel, is where they just sort of cut loose on it. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. I'm sorry, this just has to be done before we end as well. 
Jealousy Turning snakes into the sea Twirling through sick lullaby Choking on your alibi But it's just the price I pay Destiny is calling me Open up my eager eyes Cause I'm Mr. Brightside Gavin, can you just like sing me to sleep every night? Because that was beautiful. <laughs> lovely. That was that was lovely. It is always the sign of an extremely well written song when you strip it away of all its like production clevers and play it on an acoustic guitar, and it just sounds great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes even better, where you're like, God, I would have liked it to have just been that because yeah. it benefits more from the simplicity. It does make a very nice lullaby, Mr. Brightside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Like the the original is sort of I don't want to say aggressive, but it's it's energetic and and and, and rocky. It's impassioned. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but that tune, hearing it that way, the the nice slower acoustic one, I God, I'd have loved that if that was what the song was. There's one worth looking up on YouTube. It's a guy playing the entire song on his bass, Ooh. and it's absolutely gorgeous. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, well. I think on that lovely, on that literal note, uh, we should, uh, <laughs> we, we're good to wrap up. Um, Laura, people might want to know how they can see your things on the internet that you have written and published and put out there for them to read. How can they have a look at all of your things? Uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Laura K Buzz on YouTube, Laura K Buzz on Twitch. You can find me in like physical and online bookshops. Thursday, July the 18th, 2019, Uncomfortable Labels, which is like that memoir, what I've done, where I talk a lot about my life and stuff. <laughs> uh, you can find me at kotaku.co.uk, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. You can find me on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, a podcast where I do skits and silly voices with my, with my fiancé and we try and make each other laugh. You can find me on Dice Funk, which is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons real play podcast. I am on seasons 3 and 4. All the seasons are self-contained stories, so feel free to jump into whichever one you want. Season 4 has just wrapped up. We're about to start season 5. Ooh, that's going to be exciting. Soon you'll you'll I'll, I'll be able to talk about who that person is what's joining Dice Funk. So that'll be a good time to join in. Maybe maybe join in soon when season 5 starts. Uh, other than that, in the next week or two, there'll probably be some news about, um, a far sillier book that I'm hoping to make be a real thing. So, if if you want to have a physical book exist where there are a bunch of pictures of butts in it and, like, my name on the cover, keep an eye out the next couple of weeks. Well... Very good. And Gavin, you do things also that people can look at or with their ears, no less, because you are a musical rocking star from music. And how can people hear all of those, please? If you would like to look at my music with your ears, mm. you can find it all on YouTube under Miracle of Sound, where uh, actually the same day this podcast comes out, my Divinity uh, original Sin 2 song is finally, finally coming out, which is the one I've been working on for two weeks. And it is a deep breath, seven minute symphonic prog metal duet with Carly N. And nice. it's gonna be fucking awesome. And we're doing a bit of cross promotion with the developers. They were kind enough to record some cool cinematic footage for the video. 
and it's going to be an awesome release great stuff and you can find me on twitter at miracle of sound follow me there and if you would like to support me on patreon it's also miracle of sound oh and i have an instagram as well i always forget to plug that where you can see me um jumping around the kitchen to pendulum and wolf alice so there you go yeah i, I know i I stopped mentioning my Instagram once I made it and put it up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got Jimquisition on Instagram. Um, you'd see little shots of things. I saw whoever was managing it put up um, something of me that was embarrassing, but I can't remember what. <laughs> it was just something like, why? Why is he putting that up? <laughs> oh, I know Justin put, in, put up a little video of us doing a Podquisition edit. Um I'm sorry about that. I'll uh <laughs> No, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. I can't if it if if I forgot what it was, it can't have been that bad. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't too bad. I think it was just a little like clip of the intro that he was editing down from a podquisition. We do little behind the scenesy things. Uh and if you saw the Instagram or the, the tweet of it this week, you'll know that uh actually as of the recording we did it yesterday, uh Do Camiel is coming back. We did a new commentocracy. Uh, backed by a very popular, increasingly impatient demand. Um, we bought a, or, or rather I commissioned a, a new costume for him uh, while we were doing the original run of Commentocracy, but things got in the way. We never got around to doing it, so it was good to put that on uh, and then put on the rest of the stuff, you know, the wig and the makeup and the cape that you're all familiar with. But the new jacket, <laughs> it really ties it together. It is amazing. When I put it on, I was like, this... This so works, it's almost criminal. So that'll be going up um, either at the end of this week or the weekend or early next week. So in the near future. We won't be doing it once a week anymore. That was overkill. Uh, but we will do them here and there. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's exciting. Jim, question for you. Yes. I'm just looking at your Instagram and I missed the video. What is the deal with the Mick Hucknall wig and the, the gorilla thing? Mask. Oh, that's Street Fighter from Street Fighter. Ah, uh, okay. Got a, a green orc mask and an orange wig. Don't don't you know don't you know your video games, Gavin? That is that is Street Fighter from Street Fighter. Are we are we in a don are we in a donkey vid right now? <laughs> I thought that um Amazon would sell Blanca masks. That you get a cool latex Blanca mask. No. No. Apparently Capcom hasn't pulled their finger out on that. Where are the Blanca masks? So I had to make my own. Blanca mask sounds like a lucrative thing that they're missing out on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hell, they had the big Blanca heads in the Dead Rising games. you think that's a merchandise opportunity. But the closest I found, and they were only from a UK store, was like a plastic Halloween uh, Blanca mask, which wasn't fit for purpose. I love that your big boys only gif exists, by the way. I've been able to use that as response to people on Twitter so many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ducamiel has um he, he's very gif worthy it seems. There've been quite a few good ones uh that that people uh turn into gifs. There was this week when Bethesda tweeted out my song for the second time, someone responded with uh Fallout 76 is dumbed down for babies and this is music for babies. So I was like, "Oh, Jim, this is the perfect <laughs> Tweets like this wonderful gift are why your gifts are also such a wonderful gift. Gift? Gift? Yeah. The Duke provides. <laughs> yeah. um, also, uh, before we go, we've got a merchandise store. They're oh. the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, right. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Gift. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, back to the merchandise store quickly <laughs> before we go. Um, the Gymporium, if you go to thegymporium.com, we've got a store set up. Um, a lot of T-shirts, badges, a uh, nifty little hat. Uh, these are pretty good stuff. I'm very excited to do it. Um, we got a pre-order period. Yes, pre-orders. Ha, 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 ha. We've got a reason for it. Online stores need them. It's not a game industry. We actually do need them so that we know what stock to get. Um, we're going to be updating that regularly with lots of cool stuff. Uh, and we'll try different merch types. Uh, Justin is intent on getting a series of pogs, though we won't be able to legally call them that. But, you know, milk caps, uh, trading cards. Um, during the pre-order period, which uh, has a little bit of time left on the clock, um, he's going to be making trading cards to go with each one, which I'm going to sign. And... I'm annoyed at how many I have to sign, but that is also a good uh, indication that the store's been successful. Um, thank you to everyone who ordered stuff. Uh, that was pretty overwhelming. We got a ton of, of stuff ordered. Um, so that's great, especially with the, you know, as in unstable as things are with YouTube and whatnot. Having that um, to help things along is great. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Thank you for everyone supporting the store. Um, hopefully you'll like more stuff as we do it. And sorry about the international shipping. Uh, hopefully if things grow, we can do something to lessen the blow there. But I understand it's expensive. And also totally no hard feelings from people who want to order stuff but won't because of that. Um, you know, such is the reality of the business, unfortunately. Um, I sounded like a 2K Games executive then. Unfortunate realities, but we'll be talking about that on Monday. Uh, until then, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing the stuff we do. It means a lot to us and it really helps us uh, while algorithms try and do the opposite. So we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. All right, we did another episode.